Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Well, we're continuing our journey through the, through the Bible. And uh, this began back in March, and it began just with the, the desire and what I sense from the Lord that he really wants us to become familiar with his heart. So many times we can become familiar with our interpretation of his heart or of his word, and we can, we can isolate events within Scripture and then apply what God did to that one event to every other event or every other situation, and it's not appropriate to do that because we serve a God that he's, uh, he, he is vast, and so his heart is vast. And so when you look at Scriptures, I, I, I wanted us to understand the whole heart of God, the full gospel if you will say, or the whole counsel or full counsel of scripture. So we've been on a journey looking at the heart of God and seeing his heart and maybe being surprised at some things that we've seen and, and really understanding the purpose of the scriptures and the purpose of God's heart and the purpose of maybe why he chose Abraham and the purpose of what he's saying throughout the prophets and, and we're making our way to the New Testament. And so it's been a great journey. And so today, as we, as, as we are reading through the scriptures, and if you will download the app, every month we, we release a new, um, a, a new month, and so you can read along with devotions. We partner with the Bible Project, and you can watch some videos that give further explanation. There's a reading plan on there. It's been tremendous in my life, and I pray it has been for yours as well. But this week, we looked at some of the prophets as we were reading and I want to take some time and, and look at a prophet that I thought about not looking at because I think, oh, it's just so familiar. But the reality is, it's a, I think it's a problem, and I, maybe it was for me. It's a problem because I think I am familiar with it. And that's the book of Jonah. Most of us are really familiar with the book of Jonah. We're, we're really kind of like, well, I, yeah, I already know this. I, I, I heard this in Sunday school. Um, you know, we made a big paper mache whale and jumped in the mouth of it when I was young. No, I get it. I get it. I get Jonah. It's fine. But I think that's the problem. We're, we're very familiar with the book of Jonah. And sometimes when you're overly familiar with something, you miss the message of it. And for some, the book of Jonah, it's a myth. It's just a story. It's a, it's a, it, it goes right up there with the, the boy who cried wolf and the Jonah and the whale. And the, but actually, it's a real account. It's a real account of a real man who was a prophet it's a real account. One, Jesus affirms this. He says in Matthew 12, he says, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus would not have related his, his coming resurrection with Jonah if it wasn't real. He would not have related his resurrection with a, a story that they would have known. Oh, that's just a story. That's just an allegory. That's just a type and a shadow. It's not a real thing. No, the book of Jonah is a real thing. The book of Jonah speaks to us today. And so I just want to begin as we get into the book of Jonah to prepare your heart for maybe what God would have to say to you today. As I approached and was praying about, about teaching on this book, I just felt like I was just supposed to present the whole book. So we're going we're gonna to cover four chapters very quickly this morning. But it's going to be great because I want you to catch the heart of it because I believe God has something for 
us in this room, some are going to be different. What God has for you is going to be different than what maybe he has for someone else around you. But I believe the word of God always speaks, it's always truthful, and there's always a common message. And God's word never contradicts any part of, other, of, of God's word in any other place. Amen? You understand that. It is truth. And so we come to the book of Jonah, and we're just going to begin. And Jonah chapter 1 says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. Everybody say against it. So call out against it for their evil has come up before me. Now for Jonah, he'd be familiar. He's a prophet. He knows these things. He's done this before. We've seen Jonah in the book of Kings. He knows a lot of times God calls prophets to go, go and call out people or to call out a group of people or to call out sin or to be uh, an exposer of what's going on that's actually not God's purpose and God's will. So Jonah was very, very aware. And so God calls Jonah. He says, Jonah, hey, listen, I want you to go. Now Jonah's experienced successes. He's experienced walking with God. He's experienced the call of God. He's a seasoned prophet. This isn't something new to him. <clears throat> this is something that he's used to. He's used to, to God. He knows the kindness of God. He knows the, the heart of God. He knows that the God that he represents has the power to heal and to comfort. He also knows that the God that he represents has the power to judge. He understands that this God is Israel's protector. It's Israel's strong tower. This is Jonah. He understands it. But then we see his response on, on this call to Nineveh. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. Wait a minute. God said, go to Nineveh. You're going to Tarshish. Now, Nineveh is 500 miles northeast of Israel. Tarshish, 2,000 miles. Jonah rose to flee from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. This is interesting. His response at this moment wasn't like uh, the response of one who doesn't want to answer the call of God. This is Jonah. He's already answered the call of God. He's already obedient to God. He's already a prophet of God. He's not going because he's like, God, I don't, I don't want to be your prophet. No. This isn't the response of someone who's, who, who doesn't want to be used of God anymore. This isn't the response of someone who's like, I don't want to preach the gospel anymore. This response from Jonah, and I want you to catch this today, is more like someone who doesn't want to talk to the people in this evil generation about repentance about the, and about the goodness of God. This is more about his heart and his view regarding Nineveh than it is about his heart and view towards God. He doesn't want to go and tell them. He knows God's a God of compassion and grace and judgment. He doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to even, he doesn't even want God to, to, to even mess with him. He just wants God to judge them. In his mind, they're too far gone. And in his mind, they're too perverse. They're too evil. Whatever it may be, they're, maybe they're too, too addicted. They're too sexually perverse. They're too rebellious. 
He's like, uh-uh, I'm not going. So his response is one like, I don't want to go to Nineveh. Send me anywhere but Nineveh. You ever said that to God? <laughs> Send me anywhere but there. And God's like, well, that's a great idea. Why don't you go there? And you might be thinking today, you know, I can't really relate to Jonah. I, I'm not a prophet. Um, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I, I'm not someone who's called of God, I, I, you know, as a preacher or a proclaimer or whatever. I'm not behind a, a pulpit. I, I don't have a platform. But the truth is every one of us in this room can relate to Jonah. Every one of us. He's one, Jonah is one who has experienced the grace of God. He's experienced the call of God. He's experienced the relationship with God. But Jonah doesn't want to tell those that are his enemies and evil and depraved about the grace that he himself has received. He's angry at them. He's mad at them. He's cut them off from his mind. They don't deserve God. They don't deserve the gospel. They don't deserve any interaction with a real God. Let them burn. The scripture says that the wickedness of these people had come up before God. And so what, what does that mean? Well, here's the reality. Obviously, God had seen their wickedness. He had seen their perverseness. He had seen their violence. He had seen how depraved they were. And he knew, now catch this for a moment, he knew they were that way because they did not know him. God knew that they were perverse and evil and lost and on their way to doom because they did not know him. So God's solution as he looks at the nation of, of Nineveh, or the city of Nineveh, his solution is to dispatch one of his messengers, one of his prophets, one of his people. And this is really the whole story of what it means to be a follower of God. This is really the whole story of what it means for you and for me to be followers of Jesus. But we forget this part often. The call of Jesus to pick up your cross and follow me and represent me isn't a call to go where people are in agreement with you. Isn't a call to go where forgiveness is not needed. Isn't a call to go where it's easy and it's comfortable. The call of Jesus to come and follow me is not to go where you can fit in and everybody with everybody else because you all think the same way. The call of God and the heart of God is to get the message of the gospel to those who do not know him. That's it. To the darkest of cultures, to the people who hate God, to the people who worship self, to the people who go against God's natural sexual order. And Jesus he calls us and God calls us to go and be a witness of me. Amen? This is what God called Jonah to do. He didn't say, Jonah, I want you to go and become like them. 
fit in with them. So then you could earn their trust and they, you won't be a threat to them. And then you're going to go, ha, gotcha. Actually, I came here to do this. He didn't say change my message so it doesn't, so it doesn't, it doesn't confront them or doesn't make them feel uncomfortable and change it until maybe it's ready. Then, you're, then you need to tell them. No, he said, I want you to go. This has come up before me and I want you to do something. Now, I want you to understand what Jonah's wrestling with here. The culture, culture of Nineveh, it was a wild-eyed, crazy culture. It's crazy. They were powerful. They were enemies of Israel. They were well known that after they would conquer a particular area, they would take the heads of all of those within the city. They would behead them and then they would stack the heads up as a pyramid to demonstrate their power and their dominance. Strange, evil people. And God told Jonah to go to a place that was nothing like him. To go to a place that didn't look like him. Go to a place that they didn't have falafels or shawarma. It was frustrating to him. He's like, Lord, you know how spicy food bothers my stomach. I'm not going. Now, he, God called Jonah to a place that was nothing like him. It was almost like God was saying, Jonah, I want you to go and be in a world that you're not of. Jonah, I've set you apart so you can represent me, that you can be in this world, but you're not of it. Remember, you're not of it. I want you to go to a dark place, Jonah, but I've called you to be a light. I've called you to be a witness. This is really, truly a, a, a missions call. It's a missions call. Not all of us are called to go to different ethnic groups, but some of us are. But we're all called to be in a world that we're not of. And we're all called to be life and to be light. So Jonah, as we've already read, verse 3, Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. This doesn't seem right. I don't, I, when I look, I go, I, I don't get it. But for us to understand, this is like God telling you, hey, I want you to go to Japan. And so you go down, you go to the airport, and you book a ticket, and you go to France. It's like, uh, wrong direction. That's, that's exactly what Jonah was doing. This wasn't about Jonah just not wanting to go to Nineveh. This was about Jonah so badly not wanting to go to Nineveh, so badly not wanting the Ninevites to receive interaction with God that he was even willing to run from God and run from his own responsibility. Later in chapter four, we see why he actually ran. He says he ran from God because he knew God's heart. That God was gracious and God was kind and, and, and God would show compassion. So that's why he didn't want to go to them. They've done horrific things. They've, they, they don't like me, God. 
They don't like my family. They don't like my nation. They want to kill us. They want to persecute us. And you're telling me I'm to go and give them hope? Yes. No, God, no. I want you to judge the Palestinians. I snuck that one in there for you. How about that one? No, God, I want you to judge that city that's gay. You judge them. Don't call me to go there. They don't like me. They canceled me. But God says, I want you to go. I want you to be a voice of light and purpose and preach the gospel. So for Jonah, he knew that he was a messenger of God. He knew that's what he did. That's his job. That's what he did. And so he thought, well, since I know the message that I carry, I'll just not show up as the messenger. So that way God is like, oh no, what do I do? I can't reach them because you're not there. And as you, as you hear that, you realize, Jonah, you're silly. But that's, this, is, this is how he was so blinded by his, his conclusion about these people. So Jonah, run, Jonah runs. He, he jumps on the ship. And while they're at sea, verse 4 says, The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. The, pa- the passage continues. It continues to talk about how the sea, it was, there was stuff going everywhere. They, this, was, this was a dire situation. They were getting ready to sink. So these are seasoned captains and, and, and sea men out there. They, were, they had known. They had been there. They, are, they know the sea, and they're throwing stuff off. We're going to die. we got to offload stuff so we can stay afloat. They're throwing stuff overboard. That, I mean, this is, a, this is a very difficult situation. I haven't been on the seas very much, but there was a time that Cheryl and I were on a cruise. We were in the uh, Mediterranean. This is where this, this setting is. And um, we were awakened early in the morning. And the room was going back and forth and back and forth. I don't do good with back and forth. <laughs> I couldn't sleep. <laughs> you stand up in the cabin. You're like, this is not good. And I remember at the dock, I'm like, man, the ship is huge. But then I remember looking out the window in the midst of that storm being like, this ship is so tiny out here. So I got up, did the best I could. We had a meeting in the morning in the conference room. And so Cheryl and the kids stayed in the cabin because it was, <laughs> there was just no way. So I walked out in the hallway I was making my way over to the conference room, and uh, along the way, it was obvious that other people were not feeling very well that morning as they were walking around. I'm talking, I won't go into detail, everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. I thought, I'll go to another floor because this one's terrible. Went up to another floor, stepped out, everywhere. I, I'm not joking you. I've never seen this before. But I remember trying to go to the conference and I was making my way over. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't walk straight. 
couldn't see straight. Last thing I wanted to do is sit down and listen to some dude talk about the Bible. I'm just joking. I was fine with that. I was sure. But as I looked around, the crowd was very small. And they looked about like I did. We all looked terrible. And so they kind of dismissed us to go back and spend some time in our cabins until our stomachs were right. So this is what's going on in the ship. You can't walk straight. You can't think straight. It's, it's not a good situation. And apparently Jonah thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to, I'm going to put myself in a comatose state and I'm going to sleep through all of this so I can't hear God. So I won't think about what I'm doing because I don't want to go. So verse 5 says, Jonah had gone down to the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. He was probably depressed. He was probably all these types of things. And the only thing he can do is I'm just going to sleep. And Jonah thought a sleep would silence the will and the purpose of God. Just like he thought a ship to Tarshish would stop what God wanted to do in Nineveh. And the captain looks around, notices, hey, where's this Jonah guy? We're praying to our gods. We're about to die. Let's ask him to pray to his. Wakes up Jonah. Says, what are you doing? Come on, we, we got to figure this out. So they decided to cast lots. They're on this ship. They're casting lots and it's back and forth and water's coming over. They said, Let, let's cast lots and let's, let's see if, if the gods will show us what the problem is. So they cast lots and sure enough, the lot falls on, guess who? Jonah. You're the problem, Jonah. So they go to Jonah and say, hey, listen, you better confess. You better fess up quickly. Who are you? What did you do? What do you do? Why is this happening? And Jonah, verse 9 and 10, he says, well, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. The God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men who were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. So obviously Jonah had said, I'm running from God, boys. He told me to go here. I don't want to. And so they're like, why would you do that? And now we're paying the penalty for this. And then they go on to say, well, what, what, what shall we do? that the sea may quiet down for us, for the sea grew more and more temptuous. And he said to them, well, pick me up, hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great temptest has come upon you. So they picked him up. And what's interesting, just a side note, it's interesting you see the compassion of Jonah. He's like, listen, I don't want you to die on my account. But those people in Nineveh, I wish they would die. You, you, you see this, this separation of the fullness of what his role and what God had called him to do. He's, he's okay with applying God here and showing compassion here with these folks that he, he likes. But those he doesn't, he's like, let's just wipe them off the face of the planet. This is the issue in his heart. So they pick up Jonah and they hurl him into the sea. 
And then it says that the sea ceased from its raging. I don't know what that was like, but I think it was probably so obvious as soon as he slapped that water, it went shoof. It's kind of like a, a fourth grade classroom when the teacher steps out and all of a sudden things start to build and you get a couple pencils and paper wads and laughs and jokes and the teacher steps, they hear the crack of the door and everyone goes shoof. Probably something like that. But I can imagine as Jonah was falling from the edge of the ship to the water, he's thinking, this is it. I'm dying. I'm going to my watery grave. Jonah was expecting his death. But God... Show compassion. It says in verse 17, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. So this was, this was nothing difficult for God. The same God who created the universe and created all the animals and created the, the, the storm to disturb Jonah's direction. The book of Matthew refers to this fish as a monster of the sea. But, but what I know is this, that this fish was under God's control. And he opened his mouth and Jonah went in. And poor Jonah, think about Jonah. <laughs> as, as if the storm wasn't bad enough, as, as if his motion sickness wasn't bad enough by now. As if being the fear of being over, thrown overboard in the midst of a storm in the middle of the sea wasn't bad enough. He hits the water, feels something maybe rubbed by his, by his back, a large fish swim by him, because I'm sure the fish approached him and bumped him just to freak him out a little bit. <laughs> and he thinks, what is this? Next thing he knows, maybe he fills it with his hand. I don't know if he can see at that moment. Salt in his eyes from the Mediterranean. And then all of a sudden, next thing he knows, he goes from the wind and the, and the waves and the, call and, the, and the sea and all the, the movement. He goes through complete silence. And he's inside the belly of this whale. A little slimy, but it's quiet. And the Bible says in verse 17, Jonah was in the belly of this fish three days and three nights. God was doing something in Jonah's life here. And all normal humanistic thinking, the sea, then the fish was his end. I mean, you're going to go in the, in the middle of the sea by yourself, whether there's a storm or not, you're not going to survive. You're going to drown. But then if a big fish comes along and swallows you, that's for your death. But all of a sudden, Jonah is inside this, this fish, and he realizes this is a holding place for me. 
He realized this fish that was maybe to my disaster and to, my, to devour me is actually an act of God's grace. This difficulty is actually God showing mercy and kindness on me. And this fish wasn't destroying him. He realizes in the belly of that fish, actually, this is saving me. In chapter 2, Jonah writes, God, you, you brought me, or he prays, you brought, you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Referring back to being in the belly of this fish, and Jonah writes about this moment when he's inside the fish, and he realizes I'm in rebellion. He realizes I'm running from God. He realizes I, I, I was like, God, I don't want to do what you want me to do. And the storm and the fish, actually, God, wasn't my destruction and judgment. It was because of your faithful salvation to me. Jonah 2, 7 and 9 says this, when my life was fainting away. Now, remember, he's in this belly of this fish. I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you, God. And what I have vowed. Now, this is, I believe this is him returning to the moment that he said, God, I'll do whatever you want. Did you ever have one of those moments? God, I'll do whatever you want. I'll go wherever you want. My life belongs to you. I'll say whatever you tell me to say. Use me and move through me however you choose to do so. And you make these vows with God and you give him your life. And, but it's at this moment he realized I have strayed from my vows. It's in the belly of this fish. He goes, he goes oh, wait a minute, God. What I have vowed, I will pay. Another, I will fulfill my vow. I remember the moment you called me. I remember the moment I said yes to you. I remember the moment that I bowed my knee and I said, Lord, just take my life and use me. I remember it because he realized that in this moment, only God, this is God saving me and therefore salvation belongs to the Lord. And I recommit myself to you, God. Some of us maybe today need to also do this very same thing. Do you remember the vow and the call of God when he called you? We've gotten comfortable and we've kind of made our own way and the things that God, hey, would you do this? No, that's okay. I don't have time. And For many of us, maybe we're in a season that we would renew our vows before the Lord. For Jonah, this is his darkest moment of pain and he realizes this fish is for my good and God is still with me. And even in my rebellion, and even in my strain from, from, from what God has called me to do. And that, he was at the end of himself and he realized, what am I doing? I think all of us come to those places in our lives that we, we remember when we started the business. And we said, God, if you'll bless this business, I vow to whatever that may be. But along the way, we've, we go, yeah, but it's easier to vow when you're not successful. It's much harder to follow through when you are. It's easier to tithe when you've got $1,000 or have $100. It's a lot harder to tithe when you've got half a million, a million. 
Somewhere along the way, we just, we, we kind of, we rewrite, we rewrite the vow. I know God, I told you, I dedicated my children right here, but listen, world missions is not the place they can make a living and raise a family in. I know I said that, but that's really not what you want. I know, God, we, we vow, hey, this church belongs to you, but I don't know. I mean, if we do really what you say in your word, I don't, I don't know if people in this community will want to come here. So let, let's just rewrite some of this vow to, to serve us, to serve me. Lord, I know you said, I, I know I vowed I would go anywhere you say, I'll do anything that my whole life belongs to you, but I'm really comfortable now. I don't want to do something that's uncomfortable. So we rewrite the vow. We put little, we just put little side little, yes, but that means this, or yes, but I meant this, and yes, but. I wonder if the church globally is that a place that we need to renew our vows as his bridegroom to be faithful to him and to him alone? I would think we are. For Jonah, he was reminded of those vows. I believe it's the moment of clarity. He remembers back. He remembers the call. He remembers the, how humbled he was that God would choose him and pick him. And Jonah's heart softens and re, he reinstates his vow. Jonah 2.10, the Lord spoke to the fish after that and vomited Jonah up on the dry land. You would think it would be like, can you just like place me up? Do I, does it have to be with other stuff in your stomach? That's just a side note. So Jonah, this is why Jonah hits the land, stands up, and goes. Probably has a little washing session in the, in the ocean. Gargles a little bit, because I would have. I can get grosser, but I won't. It's fine. <laughs> then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. We've all been there where we've stepped away and then all of a sudden we realize, oh God, we repented and all of a sudden we hear the beautiful call of God again. I've called you to the nations. Will you go? I've called you to reach these people. Will you go? I've called you to Make this shift and change in your life. Will you? It's the call of God. All of a sudden, we can hear it again. We've all been there. It says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. In verse 3, Jonah answers correctly. He arose and went to Nineveh. Didn't make any other plans. He said, you got it. Yes, sir. Here I go. As we continue to watch God and what God does with his man Jonah, we find, we find on the next pages, honestly, this is the greatest revival, I believe, that's ever existed on the face of the planet. Jonah begins to preach, shows up in Nineveh. For three days, he preaches everywhere. 
all the way. His message goes all the way to the king's throne in the palace. The king hears it. And this is the message. It's a short message. Now, we don't have all the, I'm sure this isn't everything he said. But verse 4, he says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. In other words, your end is coming. The end is coming. Judgment is coming. The gist of their message is that the end was approaching. You will soon cease to exist. Judgment is coming. You are not invincible. And God is warning you. God sent me to tell you, you need to repent of your sins and stop doing evil and turn from your gods and turn your life to the one true God. And he was calling them to repent of their sins. And the people, what we know is this, the words of Jonah cut through quickly. God had gone before him, prepared their hearts. He knew. And the people believed Jonah was telling the truth. And knew that they needed to repent. They needed, that they needed to turn from their ways and they needed to turn to God. And once the king hears this, verse 8, it says, let everyone turn from his evil way, from the violence that's in his hands. Now, whether we feel comfortable with this or not, what we forget about the message that we carry, friends, is that a very significant part of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, actually, it's been set aside to accommodate. But the incredible truth of the gospel, yes, is God so loved the world that he gave, but also the incredible truth of the scriptures and of the gospel regarding the gospel of Jesus Christ is that you must repent of your sins and turn from your evil ways. We've forgotten about that. Why? Because I don't want to tell people they have to repent. Well, you're not. God did. You're the messenger. And what's happened is the messengers have positioned themselves in the seat of God on his throne and said, hang on a second. I get to say what, what, is, what is tolerable, not you, God. So now I'm going to change the gospel and say, God is love, God is love, God is love, God is love, God is love. Just give your life to God. He'll love you. You love him. And you can just live your life however you want. The problem is Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me is what he said. Yes, but God is love. You better believe he is. That's why he sent his own son to die for our sins, to become our sins, to, to drink the wrath of God for our sins. And so when we put our faith in him, it comes with, I repent, I'm a sinner, forgive me. Repentance means change the way you think, turn and live your life differently by God's help. That's what it means. And so this is uncomfortable for many. For many churches, it's uncomfortable. What I love about Jonah, though, his very simple message, he doesn't give them all the arguments of the existence of God. He doesn't, he doesn't systematically deconstruct their gods. He just told them what God told him to tell them. And the king and the people responded 
in repentance. Verse 10, when God saw what they did, what they did how they turned from the evil ways, how they repented, God relented of the disaster that he had said would, that he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is mercy. This is what Pastor Mark was talking about earlier. This is mercy. What they deserved, God did not allow it to come to them. They deserved disaster. God showed mercy and did not give it to them. I love the results of and that really the results and blessings of those that come to God, to those who respond to his invitation to repent, to surrender, to receive his salvation. I, I, all through scripture, and there are, there are multiple, multiple scriptures that talk about the benefits of repentance. Acts 3.19 says, repent, therefore, and turn back. In other words, change the way you think that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I tell you what, one thing that you don't sense and feel when you are in sin is a refreshing from the Lord. You feel the conviction of the Lord. The conviction is different than condemnation. Condemnation is this is your identity, you stinking, ugly, stinking sinner. That's who you are. You just deal with it. No, but that's, that's condemnation. Conviction says this, you are, you are a sinner. You are in sin. And, but conviction then gives you the hope. It reveals to you your need and then shows you the solution, which is in Christ Jesus. And conviction pulls you higher, higher up to be like Christ. That's what conviction does. It's, called, it's discipline from the Lord. And he, loves, he disciplines those he loves. And this refreshing comes. If you've ever been in sin and you remember the moment that you were like, oh, God, sorry. Since all of us have been in sin, and we can all remember the moment that we repented and said, Lord, I'm sorry for my arrogance. Cleanse me and forgive me. All of a sudden, oh, thank you. There's a refreshing from the presence of the Lord. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This is a part of the gospel. Actually, it's a part of our everyday life as we walk with Jesus. Does it mean when you sin you, and you fail? It doesn't mean you lose your salvation. That is, that is not what that means. It just means that you are outside of God's best for your life. And he convicts us. And we can receive refreshing from the Lord. And we align our lives with him because we've made a vow to follow him and be faithful to him. You cannot love Jesus and openly and explicitly Live your life in a way that's not following him. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. That's what he told the disciples. It's the desire of the heart. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. But there's a desire, of, there's a loyalty to Jesus. There's a loyalty to his word. The Lord, man, I'm, I'm struggling through this. And Lord, I'm just asking you to help me change my mind. Why do I keep thinking this way? And I read in your scripture, that's not for me or, or the identity of my life or how I'm to live my life. And Lord, change me, transform me. I, I want to come under submission to you, Lord. Please, I repent of, of, these, of, of, my, of my actions. And 
Lord, just transform me. I want to follow you. I'll pick up my cross and I'll follow you, Jesus. And he gives us a spirit to enable us to do that. But back to the person of Jonah. You would think at this moment he'd be celebrating with God. Like, wow, God, I preached. These people gave their lives to you. This is awesome. But it's not. You kind of see some, some old Jonah coming back up again that we saw in the beginning of this book. Jonah 4, starting verse 2. Oh, Lord, is not this what I said <laughs> when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are gracious. You are gracious God and merciful, slow to anchor and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O oh Lord, oh, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? I would say it this way, hey Jonah, how's this anger thing working for you? How did, how did it work for you in chapter one, son? You, 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 you wanna do this again? <laughs> I often say to the people who just resist God, resist God, I say, oh, what? how's it working for you? How's it working for you? I don't say it to poke at them. I, I, I really ask, how's that working for you? This is what God asked Jonah. How's it working for you, son? Now, we can all be critical. We can all criticize Jonah a little bit here. It's easy. It's easy to do so. But have you ever resented God's sovereign leading and plan and direction for your life? No, God, not, not another change. Not another move. Not another job. Not the mission field, God, no. Lord, no, not, not another child that doesn't live close to home. No, God. Or, no, God, I don't want you to reach that group of people. I want you to bring judgment on them. No, God, I'm not going to reach them. And Jonah's anger, God is gracious, though, as he's gracious with us. He lets there be a, what's interesting, and is this, is that um, God allows for there to be a plant to grow up and bring shade and comfort to Jonah. But what's funny 
<laughs> Jonah gets, a, gets an emotional attachment to this plant. Sometimes how I feel my wife feels about some of her plants around the house. I, there's, a, there's something special there. <laughs> Just kidding. But there's this emotional, like, it's like, what is going on? Well, Jonah, he's, he's more attached to the stuff, to the comfort, to the shade, to the building, to the house, to the car, to the, to the church building, to the job, to the position, to the title, stuff. He gets emotionally attached to it, to the comfort, his surroundings. And then the next day, the plant dies. And then Jonah's uncomfortable again. And then this is what Jonah says after it dies. Talk about an, emotional, an unhealthy emotional attachment to a plant. Here we go. It is better for me to die than to live. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, Jonah. Then the book ends with this really strange ending. Very strange. Most people actually don't read this ending. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant? Though you did nothing to put it there? It came quickly and it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120 people living in spiritual darkness. Now, the reality is there's a, there's, there's a couple ways you can... Um, this can be interpreted. One is 120 people who don't know their left hand from their right. Many, many scholars believe this talking about children. So, because the city was much larger than 120,000. So it's very, very likely that, listen, either way applies. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jonah. You're so concerned about stuff that you're frustrated that, that you don't have your stuff anymore, but you're not frustrated that there are people here in spiritual darkness. You, you, don't, you don't care at all. Or you don't care that there were little children? You were like, you just wanted them to be wiped off the face of the planet because of who their parents were? Because of the community they are part of? And then here you go for all, the, all you animal lovers. Not to mention the animals. See, God loves animals, right? Amen, right? There were no cats there, though, just so you know. So... <laughs> I'm just kidding, Mark. Okay. <laughs> Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Like, come on, Jonah. What are you thinking, you goober? That's how the book ends. It's like, and so this account ends with our hero, Jonah. Not being the hero. But it ends with God being the hero. As it was supposed to be all along. Man's not the hero, friends. You're not the hero in the story. <laughs> Jonah's not the hero in the story. I'm not the hero in the story. God is. He's our hero. He's the lost people in darkness. He's their hero. 
He's our Savior. He's their Savior. It's not about my legacy. It makes me want to throw up in my mouth when I hear ministers talk about their legacy. What legacy do you have? You were depraved. You had nothing in you of any righteousness whatsoever. And by the grace of God, he saved your sorry butt and allowed you to preach the gospel to people that, that you didn't deserve to do. And now you're like, what about me? Who gives a rip about you? What about Jesus? Oh, you want to live your life for a legacy that is going to burn up and go away when Jesus returns and wipes out the earth and gives a new heaven and new earth? And then we're going to stand around the throne and say, oh, your legacy. No, we're going to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God's the hero. And here's what I know about God according to the scripture. He still uses people like Jonah. Imperfect, weak, stubborn, prideful. If you're any of those, you've got a chance. <laughs> and he calls us, though, to repentance. To return to his plan. To return to the purpose of our lives. To evaluate, God, what am I doing? Why am I here Why have I allowed these things in my life? And why do I keep returning to them? I, I vowed to you years ago. I, no, I'm giving this up. And I'm not doing this anymore. And I want to honor you with my life. And here I am. Lord, forgive me. And then, as God did to Jonah, God called to Jonah a second time. And then Jonah responded. So friends, listen, God's the hero in our story. You're not. So let's just follow the hero. Let's just obey the king. And let's just repent and give him our lives and say, Lord, do with me what you choose and what you want. That's what God has for you and for your children, for your grandchildren, for this church that we would make his name famous because he's the hero in our midst. You're not, I'm not, he is, amen? And if we will allow him to be the hero, he will use us in ways that we never thought possible. And so this is the call of God. Is there an area in our lives we need to repent? Let's repent. Do we need to begin to share that part of the gospel is repentance? It is. Absolutely. But it begins with God so loved the world that he sent his son to make a way. His invitation now is repent. It's both. People like either one or the other. It's all love, no repentance. All repentance, no love. It's both. Because it's God's heart. And in the presentation of the gospel, God's still the hero. You're not. He is. It's his story, not ours. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word that speaks to us, that challenges us. God, thank you for how you've beautifully represented yourself in the book of Jonah. We just want to come into alignment with that, and we want to say yes to you. So, Lord, today, 
there's an area of our lives that we need to repent, we just say yes to that. Just as Jonah came to his senses, and in that moment, God, we come to our senses now, and we renew our vows. We renew our commitment. And we say yes to you. And Lord, though we've strayed and drifted, you are totally capable of picking us up in the most unlikely of ways and taking us back to where the original call called us to be, just like you did Jonah. And it may not always be pleasant, but God, our purpose in submission to you is everything. And however you need to, whatever you need to do to get us back to the place you called us to be in our lives, we say yes to you. Just right where you are, just ask him. We say yes to you, God. So, Lord, today we realign our lives with your gospel and your heart for us, that we would be servants and vessels, and that we would continue to make you the hero of our story and the legacy that we are concerned about. God, thank you for your word. Just remember their heads bowed for a moment. If you're here this morning and you recognize that you have not repented of your sins and have not put your trust in the love and the hope of God that came through his son Jesus by dying on a cross and raising from the dead, if you sense that invitation right now to repent of your sins and put your faith in Christ, if that's you today, nobody's looking around, just raise your hand right where you are. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you. God bless you. Put your hands down. God bless you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. For all of you who raised your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer as just affirming what, what is, what's happening in your heart right now and verbalizing it, and we're going to do it together with you. So say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. God, thank you for sending your son. I repent of my sins. I ask you to cleanse me. I put my faith in you. I believe that you died for me, Jesus. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I give you my life. Become the hero of my story. From this moment forward, I'll do what you want. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand today. If you gave your life to Jesus today, you can go to our website and you can click on Gave My Life to Jesus or on the back of the seats there's a QR code. You can scan that or you can stop by the um, guest booth out there and just ask, hey, what's the next steps for you? If we can, let's all stand to our feet. I love you all. I'm grateful for you. I want to remind you this week we have our continued Holy Spirit class that's on, on Wednesday at 630. I want to encourage you to come and begin to learn. If you can't make it to all of them, that's fine. You can always come and jump in. And as we're walking on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit. So it's a great thing that we're learning that together. If you can't lift your hands to the Lord and just receive God's blessing today. Father, I pray you bless, for your, bless your people. You lead them. You guide them. God, you'd, 
Reveal yourself to them today. May you use them in a way that they never thought possible as they submit their lives to you. And as we leave this room, may they know that they are entering the mission field, that they're called to be light in the midst of darkness, that they're called to, to carry your gospel to all those who are around us. Anoint your people, prosper them, lead them and guide them, heal their marriages, heal their mind, restore to them everything the enemy has stolen from them by your grace and your kindness. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. And amen.